Hello and welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling. And today we're going to be talking about the economic cycle. Thanks for joining us. And I hope you've enjoyed the other podcasts we've made available, uh, not only this season, but in uh, prior seasons. We've had a lot of great topics this year. We've talked about value add, uh, about the tax man, about um, uh, documents and what's important to understand. We've done some work on financials and reporting, and we've got many more great topics uh, coming in the balance of this season. We also have a sister series of webinars that you may register for. Uh, you can do all that at the Learning Center at marapolling.com. That is M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And if you have any questions, uh, feel free to uh, either at the website, you can uh, reach out to us, or you can always shoot me an email, uh, pat at, again, marapolling.com. We're going to talk about the economic cycle today for a variety of reasons. Uh, one is, uh, if you're going to hold real estate long term, uh, whether it's individual assets or you're simply going to have a position in real estate long term, uh, which is definitely what we advocate, you are going to own real estate during the entire economic cycle, not just during recovery and growth and the maturity of the cycle you will own properties during recessions. And you need to be thinking about how to do that and how to position yourself to make that happen. And that's what we wanna talk about uh, today. So the cycle is, as I just described, it is a cycle, right? Uh, and you can pick whatever point you want to in terms of where you jump in. Uh, right now, we are in essentially the maturing phase of the, um, of the cycle. We have been growing for quite a long time. This current economic expansion began in June of 2009, uh, so uh, 108 months or so ago. Our uh, growth has not been stellar. It's uh, just a little over 2%. It is growth, though, and uh, has gone on for an extremely long time. As a matter of fact, we are now the second longest expansion or growth period uh, since uh, World War II, uh, the longest being uh, from uh, March of 91 through March of 2001, uh, a 10-year span. We are uh, coming up on that. So uh, sometime in the early part of next year, we will uh, cross that threshold if we don't have a recession before then. Uh, so right now we're in that uh, growth maturing stage of the process. Uh, we will go through a recession, might be a short one, might be a longer one, might be shallow, might be deep, but there will be a recession. And then following that recession, there'll be a period of recovery and then another period of growth, followed by a maturation period, essentially where we are now, uh, and then another recession. And we will continue to move through that uh, entire cycle. If we look again at some of the uh, the data that uh, that I was referencing just uh, a few moments ago, uh, we can look uh, over that period of time. And uh, here, I'll count them up for us. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven full turns of the cycle uh, since uh, World War II. 
And during that time frame, uh, we've had some very short periods of growth, uh, one little 12 month spurt uh, at the beginning of 1980 that petered out in 81. And as I said, we've had the uh, long period of growth from uh, 91 through 2001. The uh, level of economic growth uh, varies, as you could imagine, throughout those periods. While, um, while ours has not been stellar at 2.2%, uh, at uh, uh, it's not the slowest. The slowest period of growth was uh, a growth period back from 45 to 48 uh, that was just 1.5%. Uh, the largest period of growth was from 49 to 53, and that was 6.9%. Uh, uh, so um, it varies. Uh, a lot of these, uh, you know, 3% is a pretty good number, uh, something in that, uh, that range. But generally speaking, these cycles are relatively uh, modest in length. As I said, uh, we're almost the longest. The... Um, uh, the next uh, longest behind this was from 61 through 69. It was 106 months. Then we've got a couple in the high double digits. Uh, a lot of them are three to four years long, which is kind of typical. You go through three to four years uh, of recovery and uh, growth, expansion, uh, maturation, and then it's time for a recession again. So uh, all of that's just to underscore that this is a natural part of the economic cycle. None of this is man-made. Uh, we all love to give uh, blame to the man or woman in the White House uh, and the rest of the administration. And they certainly enjoy taking credit for uh, what goes on economically. And they certainly have some impact. The government plays a role in the economy. Uh, this machine is awfully large though, and it moves through its own cycle. And government action may uh, slow, the time frame before we have a recession, or it may uh, help expedite a recovery, uh, you cannot forestall recessions. Uh, we've got one coming. I don't know when, uh, but every day we get closer to it. Uh, and you could probably say that at any point in time and be accurate, but uh, I think you'd all agree with us that, uh, that we're headed for one. So um, if that's happening, uh, what are we gonna do? Uh, well, one of the things to keep in mind is recessions are actually good. Uh, it's a natural process, if you will, of culling the herd of a number of activities, behaviors, investments, and uh, other such undertakings that really weren't robust enough to be of value over a long period of time. So uh, we shouldn't look at recessions as negative. We should look at them as opportunities, uh, both personally and as investors, for us to uh, reevaluate where we're at and to take advantage of what opportunities may be presented. So we certainly look at recessions as we do every phase of the economic cycle as a positive and something that is for us to plan for and be prepared to uh, maximize the opportunities that present themselves. So we wanna be ready. Well, how do you get ready? In the real estate space, uh, because this is, again, this is a long-term position. Uh, an individual hold for an individual asset might be as short as three years, could be five to seven, which is the time frame we tend to operate in at Mara Polling, or it could be 
10 years or longer. Um, in every one of those, you're most likely going to have a recession to experience. Uh, maybe that three-year time frame you don't, although the risk is you know, uh, on a very short hold that right when you are planning your exit, uh, happens to be when the recession hits. And if that's actually an exit from commercial real estate and not a uh, exchange into a new asset, uh, that can be painful. So, um, so we wanna be ready. One of the ways we do that, and we would encourage everyone to give thought to this, is uh, at the very beginning when you're looking at the kind of asset you wanna invest in, uh, the kind of underwriting that you do that is associated with all of that, uh, and how you may actually be able to take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves during uh, a recession. Uh, so let's talk about that a little bit. The kind of asset we're interested in. Well, as I said, we like multifamily, and there are certainly lots of asset classes inside commercial real estate that uh, are going to be in a position to perform well uh, and utilize some of the same uh, strategies that we're talking about during the entire economic cycle. We like multifamily because of a couple of things. One, it's food and shelter. So if you think about it for a moment, uh, there are many things in our lives today that we consider to be necessities. Uh, whether it be our 312 channel cable TV package uh, or our blistering uh, fast gigabyte internet connection, the $1,000 smartphone that we all carry around uh, or the uh, very attractive luxury automobile that uh, we lease. Um, all of those things are great. And you could certainly make an argument that uh, people need a way to communicate and get themselves around uh, and each of those other activities, maybe not as um, significant and substantial an investment as the other things I mentioned, but um, but you could make an argument for that. When times get tough though, uh, you know, there's two things that everybody needs. Everybody needs food to eat and they need a roof over their head. And being in the business of investing in giving people shelter is a pretty stable place to put money. Uh, everybody's gonna need a place to live People may ditch some of those channels or cable altogether. Uh, they may move away from the expensive smartphone. Uh, they may get rid of that expensive luxury leased automobile and buy themselves a nice used car to get to work or maybe even take some public transportation. Um, but they're not gonna move out on the street, at least not in, unless that is forced upon them. And um, that's another topic that, uh, that we do spend some time on talking about the uh, need in this country for, um, for a housing strategy that can help everyone. Uh, but that's not a topic we're gonna spend a lot of time on today. So uh, when we think about safety and security from an investing standpoint, food and shelter are really good places to be because they'll perform throughout the entire uh, economic cycle. Another thing that, um, that we give thought to is, uh, once we've said we like multifamily is, well, what kind of multifamily? Uh, we've talked before about classes. Uh, many of you have heard us refer to class B as the Goldilocks class. One of the reasons we like class B and consider it the Goldilocks class is uh, during periods of uh, downturns, when we're in the trough, when there's a recession, Yes, tenants in class B properties will have their hours cut and in some instances lose their jobs. That's uh, something we aren't happy about. 
it's unfortunate and they move out and go find someplace else to live whether it's with some friends or it might be with family or possibly into a class c property um, but they won't be staying where we are and the same thing happens to class a tenants uh, everybody knows somebody that lives in a nice class a property uh, that has um, uh, maybe uh, uh, garages for uh, for parking uh, might even have a valet service uh, concierge there could be restaurants or some other amenities that are integrated into the asset, resort style pools. Um, those are beautiful places to live. Uh, and uh, some of the folks living there, um, sorry for the raspy throat today. Um, some of the folks living there um, may be living a little closer to the edge than, uh, than others. And when things get a little tight, uh, they may decide that driving that, uh, that really nice, uh, car and living in the class a property is maybe a little too rich for them and they're going to move down to our one of our class b assets so class b assets will often say see spikes in uh occupancy and vacancy as opposed to uh trends of uh of vacancy so that's part of what we like about being in class b <clears throat> there's also an interest in uh being in assets that are performing assets um uh, if you're investing in an asset that has a fairly, fairly significant improvement program, meaning uh, maybe half the tenants uh, have vacated and there's uh, $10,000, $30,000 of work being done on each unit, you can get some really amazing returns out of that. Uh, and there's uh, some risk that uh, a recession could be uh, damaging. Uh, so uh, at Mara Polling, what we do often is to look to performing assets, assets that already have strong occupancy trends, uh, 90, 95%, uh, make modest improvements, retain uh, quality tenants, add to that quality tenant base, and, uh, and uh, be conservative in terms of how we underwrite those acquisitions. Um, if the plan you put together, and this is true whether it's uh, Mara Poling purchasing a 300 unit complex, or whether it's uh, you and a couple of friends looking at a eightplex down the street. Uh, you, we encourage everyone to be conservative in your underwriting. If you uh, can see in the marketplace that you could raise rents $100, well, don't count on raising them 100. Maybe you plan on raising them 60 or $70. You certainly are gonna try to get the full 100, but uh, don't plan on that, don't count on that. Uh, the same with vacancy. The same with the amount of capital you might invest, the same with your interest rate in terms of the debt that you're going to put on the property, uh, and each of the other variables, uh, so that when you get into the asset, you have a reserve essentially built into the performance uh, for a couple of reasons. One, stuff happens, right? There will be instances where your asset doesn't perform the way you would like it to, but it will still be performing to your plan. The other is, you want to be in a position so that when the recession comes, you are positioned to take advantage of opportunities. One of the things that we do at Mara Polling, and again, go check out some of our webinars that we've got coming up. We go into some of these topics in a little more uh, detail. And again, that's marapolling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. Um, one of the things that we like to do 
is to be in a position to have two things happen during a downturn. One, uh, we want to have designed the asset, the acquisition, such that the property is still going to perform, meaning be, uh, generate positive cash flow after all the expenses, all the operating expenses have been covered and all of the debt service has been covered. We want there to be cash left over so that we're not dipping into the cash reserves. Um, so there's sort of two layers of production there, cash reserves as well as positive cash flow during a, a recession. And we do that using something called break-even um, occupancy. <clears throat> um, again, pardon me. Um, so we do that uh, using something called break-even occupancy. And uh, that's really a simple concept. It's simply the uh, amount of occupancy that's required or the amount of vacancy we can withstand and still be cash flow positive. And we would like that number to be substantially higher than what the historical vacancy has been. Uh, ideally somewhere between maybe 150% and 200% of what that has uh, been. That gives us a good cushion so that during a recession, we're not distracted by an asset that's performing poorly. And the reason we want that to be the case is uh, the second part of how we perform during a recession, and that is we want to be buyers, we don't want to be panicked sellers. Some uh, investments are structured in such a way, and again, this might be something someone does individually, uh, maybe someone in your community, uh, or it might be an, a larger investment by uh, someone that uh, is in the same space that we're in, uh, but it, it wouldn't be us because we don't structure our assets this way, um, but where someone has used higher leverage, and maybe instead of having a 60 or 65 or even 70% uh, leverage on an asset, they're at 80 or 85 or even 90% uh, leverage. Uh, they're timing the market. Uh, they're making substantial improvements. They're trying to get in and get out and make a substantial profit in a short period of time. Uh, they may very well get pinched in a recession. And when they do, there potentially could be an opportunity to pick that asset up from them. Uh, because they've got to do something since they don't have the protections that we've ascribed to. Uh, or there's always the opportunity you actually end up picking it up from the bank, uh, which again, you don't want anybody to see, see anybody go through that process um, and it will happen in a recession. Uh, you can't do those things though, if you're distracted and focused on the existing assets you have and they're not performing well because you didn't heed uh, some of the advice that uh, that uh, you are receiving, whether it's from us or from others, about building a conservative plan in the um, in the first place. So you want to be in a position to take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, that's absolutely what we um, what we do. Um, that's the experience we have had uh, during the Great Recession, as it is often referred to, uh, back in uh, uh, seven, eight, nine. We, um, we were in a different asset class. We weren't focused in multifamily at the time, uh, but uh, all the asset classes in real estate had the same experience. And that was uh, that uh, there were opportunities uh, because as I said, uh, others were pinched uh, in need of cash. And if you've got cash and have good performing assets that you're not distracted by, then you've got an opportunity to uh, increase your returns. Uh, by picking up some quality assets uh, for, you know, 95 cents, 90 cents, 80 cents on the dollar, uh, maybe even better. Um, so give thought when you're looking at 
uh, an investment, whether it's an investment with someone like Mara Poling or an investment with uh, uh, family and friends in a smaller property that you may be managing yourself, give thought to how your asset is going to perform during a recovery, uh, when we're seeing growth, uh, during the uh, uh, expansion of the economy, and then the maturity. And in particular, how is it going to perform during uh, the recession? One of the things I would encourage you to look at is uh, get enough history on the asset that you can look back uh, to the last recession, which again, we're looking back quite a ways, right? We're looking back to uh, seven, eight, nine. Uh, but we wanna look that far back so that we can see what was going on in the asset then. Now, we would all hope and likely expect that, uh, that this next recession uh, would not be as deep uh, and long as the last recession was. And I don't know, nobody knows. Anybody that tells you they know when the next recession is gonna start and uh, how long it's gonna be and what the depth of it will be uh, could absolutely be right. And it's more likely than not that they're wrong. Um, but everyone knows, yes, one is coming. So uh, be prepared, uh, put your plan together. Uh, if, you, uh, if you don't have assets structured uh, the way you think you need to, uh, you've got time. Uh, the next recession is probably not starting this afternoon. So you've got some time to get things uh, organized. If you're looking to make investments, uh, passive investments, uh, talk to the sponsors, talk to us, talk to other people that do what we do and ask them those questions. Ask them how their assets have performed in the past. Ask them what they do to prepare for the next recession. Uh, ask them what you should expect as an investor uh, during that uh, time frame. Uh, because if you made an investment today, uh, I'm pretty confident you're going to be experiencing a recession sooner than later. And, uh, and you ought to be prepared for it in terms of knowing what's, uh, what's going to happen there. One last thought uh, that I would leave you with today, and that is, uh, and it goes back to this thought around timing the market. There is a strategy that says, well, I actually wanna wait until there's a, there's a recession. I wanna wait until there's a pullback. And that's when I'm gonna step in and make my investments. And then I'm gonna get out at the peak. Um, some people do that, uh, some by accident, simply because that's when they happen to buy and when they happen to sell. Uh, some because that was their strategy and they were fortunate enough to actually make that work. I can only share my personal experience. Uh, timing the market doesn't work. Uh, uh, more often than not, uh, I have chased returns whenever I've tried that strategy. Uh, and I've done that with some of the money in my portfolio that you could describe as a little more speculative uh, than my bedrock uh, investments, which are the kinds of things I keep in real estate and such. Uh, so timing the market is a real challenge. Uh, thinking right now that, well, if I wait just a little bit longer, the recession comes along, I can probably buy some assets or get in some investments less expensively, and then I'll look to get out when we get to the peak of the next uh, growth cycle. Uh, like I said, you may be able to do that. It's also possible that that won't happen. Uh, in the equity space, uh, you'll often hear the uh, strategy of dollar cost averaging, basically feed money in over time regardless of where we are in the economic cycle. Sometimes 
uh, prices may be down, so you'll be buying more shares or more units with those investment dollars. And sometimes they'll be up and you'll be buying fewer, but over time you'll have a positive trend and that'll help smooth all that out. Uh, real estate's the same way, uh, not necessarily about adding uh, investments over time, uh, but this is where the hold period comes in. The longer you hold commercial real estate, and again, I don't mean individual assets, I mean holding a position in commercial real estate. So uh, you work, for example, with us, we purchase an asset, four, five, six years later, we sell that asset, we do a 1031 exchange, we replace it with a new asset. So the hold for an individual asset may be four, five, six, seven years, something like that. Um, but you're gonna stay in commercial real estate. If you do that, five years, eight years, 10 years, and so on, again, with sort of that bedrock money in your investment portfolio, you will smooth out these peaks and valleys. And it now becomes much less of an issue. Did you buy at a peak? Did you buy in the trough? Did you buy during an expansion or during the recovery? Uh, and you don't need to be as focused on trying to time the market as you are about making simply a solid investment that's going to perform throughout that cycle. So I hope today's given you some things to think about uh, in terms of the economic cycle. We've got some great material uh, coming up uh, in terms of webinars. Uh, again, you can see it at the Learning Center at marapolling.com. If you have missed any of our previous episodes, uh, wherever you're listening to us today, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Alexa or any of the other wonderful places that our channel is available, uh, you can find uh, prior episodes for season two as well as uh, episodes from last year. Uh, if you have questions, don't forget to shoot me an email, pat at marapolling.com. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. Have a good one.